think it's recording. Yeah, it's recording. Okay. All right. Excellent. We're on. Yay. Yay. First episode. This is uh, thingsmywifesendsme.com. I forgot the domain. It, it, I guess it's too new for me. <laughs> thingsyourwifesendsyou.com. Is that the name of your podcast? No, I think it's things... What? Things we... my wife sends me. Yeah, I think that was... Hold on. Now I have to look it up. Things... Yeah, we we got the domain of thingsmywifesendsme.com. Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. All right. So this is episode one. Yay. Yay. We've tried to do this on other medias, like Zcast, for example. Without me. Yeah. And it didn't work very well. <laughs> it was okay. We tried to work with the live audience, but I don't know. I guess it's better when we just talk. Mm-hmm. What are you working on right now, by the way? I'm making a pot holder. You're making a pot holder? Yes. Awesome. So that way I don't burn myself? Yes. Okay. We should probably explain how this all works. Well, I mean, you make it with a pot holder womb? No, I'm talking about the show. Okay, so explain. Well, I mean, you can correct me if I get this wrong, but essentially... There's so much news that's out there, and I usually have a lot of trouble, and I get overwhelmed by all the news that one can look at. And you decided, after trying to get me to look at only certain websites to get the news that I was looking for, and all kinds of other plans that I don't necessarily remember. That it was much more efficient for me to just figure it out for you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just to send an email once a day with news stories that's not necessarily headline news, but still interesting nonetheless. I'd say that's pretty much the gist of it. Yes, and it saved you a lot of time that you used to spend looking for news, right? Right, and to better understand what's going on in the world. And there's probably some of you out there that don't necessarily have that ability of knowing these non-headline stories that are out there. So what's interesting is with all of these news stories that my wife sends me, I'd like to discuss at least three of the news stories that I found interesting and that you might find interesting as well, or at least we found interesting. You don't even know what the news stories are, though. I have no idea. I mean, I I send them to you every day and you don't tell me which one are, are your favorite. I don't even read all of them, so I don't even know what you're about to say. That just makes it more fun, I guess. Okay. All right. Should I start? Yes. All right. Starting with CNN. Mm-hmm. China uproots 9,100 residents to make way for giant space telescope. Mm, yes, I, do, I did read this one, I think. It's kind of fascinating, actually, but really sad that they decided to clear out What is this? A 500 meter aperture spherical telescope that's going to uproot around 9,000 residents? Well, didn't they say they did this before for a different telescope or am I just imagining things? I'm not sure. I mean, they they said that there is another telescope somewhere in the world that's almost as big as the one that they're trying to build, but I don't know if, if the same process happened. They're saying they're going to relocate residents within five kilometers of the $185 million project. Mm-hmm. 
to be completed in September. That fast? Yeah. Wow. Each resident is going to be paid 12,000 yen or $1,838 in our world, our area, I don't know, our world. As in United States? Yes, exactly, because okay. being from Boston and all. Mm-hmm. Let's see, what else does it say? That the telescope is being developed because China really feels like they want to see if there are signs of life out there. Well, really, really far out there. I mean, that's why it's so big, because it's like a really, really big satellite. Right. Like, supposed to get beyond, you know, several, I don't know what you'd say, galaxies and stuff like that. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. So I mean, I, th- I think it's interesting. I think that, like... You know, I, I mean, I, I I did read this article. And I know they said that they picked this particular spot because it actually has a, you know, really good um, signal. If, if What do I know about this stuff? But, um, you know, it, in terms of the landscape, it enables it, it, the telescope to be more effective. But, like, I mean, the question is whether it's worth that kind of shifting in people I mean, I've never been to China, so I don't know how how big the landscape is, if if there are other places that could possibly be ideal for this. It's interesting. I found the section that you were talking about. 1.2 million people were resettled to make way for the Three Gorges Dam, G-O-R-G-E-S. Right, but that's not not a a telescope that's a different project? Right. That was 1.2 million. In China or somewhere else? China. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So they're saying they're no stranger to this. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. It definitely takes the, what is it called? An intimate domain? Eminent, eminent domain. Yeah. To I, a new level. Right. I mean, I, I have heard of this kind of thing happening, you know, even in the United States, you know, for various projects and stuff, but... I don't know. I, I guess there's always a there's always going to be a disagreement between the people and, and the government when things like that happen, I think. The reservoir that's on in our area, was that taken over? I, I remember we were reading well, about no, that. It was sort of the opposite. I mean, essentially, it, it was like a two-part reservoir with a nice walking path like 100 years ago, and... I guess they filled in half of the, the, half of the reservoir, in other words, one part of it, and left the other part. So the part they filled in became a stadium. Just so everyone knows, my wife just moved on to the second potholder. So we've moved on <laughs> from a blue potholder now towards a green and yellow potholder. I just felt they should know that. that that's wonderful. Exactly. That's newsworthy right there. Well, it's multitasking because I'm a woman and I multitask. Well, you, <laughs> you, on the other hand, are sitting here with your earphones staring very intently at the microphone. Shall we move on to the next story? Yeah, yeah Probably. Right. <laughs> what I have next comes to us from Fox News. Mm-hmm. And... Actually, do you know what? I'll save that one for the end. Let's instead go to Turn to Ten. UN. That's Rhode Island. Yeah. 
UN is stopping Zika may require a genetic... Zika, honey, Zika. Zika? Yes. I thought it was Zika. No, it's Zika. Zy- Go on. It's Z-I. Z-Y. And Z-I, I they, don't know. Maybe, maybe you're Rhode right. Island spelt it Z-I-K-A. Okay, fine. Go on. It, it might be... I don't know. Go on. What okay. are you about to say? Whatever. Zika, Zika. It might require a genetically modified insect. As in genetically modified mosquito. Exactly. Okay. Right. Because they're saying that they want to be able to introduce a genetically modified mosquito to be able to help take care of this virus. And looking through here, there are environmentalists that previously criticized genetically modified approach, saying it's impossible to know the long-term effects of wiping out an entire insect population. Right. It's kind of scary. It is scary. I mean, I don't know exactly what mosquitoes, you know, do that's useful in the, you know, general spectrum of things. Are we ready for mutant mosquitoes? I don't know. I mean, I I feel like these things often have unexpected consequences. I mean, (laughs) you know, you imagine one of these movies where the bugs all take over or something. I mean, great. Not not that that's about to happen, but that's that's. I mean, just... I I just feel like the you know the ecosystem is really supposed to be the way it is, and we should just leave it alone. But I mean, but they they're you know obviously they have to do something when an illness like this comes along. Well, it's it's a very interesting solution, but probably very invasive. I mean, maybe less invasive than just killing all of them. But I don't know. You know, really, in in the long term, what would be more ideal between those two? They're saying the original mosquitoes causing problems are imported species accidentally brought to the Americas hundreds of years ago. And they were optimistic that their eradication wouldn't damage the environment. What do you mean they were? Like when? They said hundreds of years ago. Uh... The way this is done wouldn't leave lots of mutant mosquitoes in the countryside, uh, said Jimmy Whitworth, an infectious disease expert at London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I guess the problem is it's impossible to know what this is going to cause at the end of the day. Well, are they even going through with this idea or is this just being thrown around in the air? That's a great question. I feel like they're just discussing it right now. They're not saying we are definitely going to unleash mutant mosquitoes into the world so that it can eradicate the virus. But it feels like we're causing a mosquito war. That's... Uh-huh. Mosquito versus mosquito. I don't know. But then it's like, okay, great. So one mosquito helped us get rid of the other mosquito. And now we're stuck with the mosquito that's the winner. Right. So we still have a mosquito at the end of the day. Well, I mean... Unless they cancel out each other, but I doubt that happens. I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to imagine a world without mosquitoes. Would, would it be a good world? I don't know. I... Because Probably I mean prefer. I'm not I'm not a scientist and I don't really know what they they do in the general, 
you know, spectrum of nature, maybe aside from affecting natural selection. All I know is that when it comes to mosquitoes, I do not enjoy when mosquitoes bite me. Of course not. Nobody does. No, so. Right, but I mean, it's it's like spiders and stuff. I mean, you might not enjoy looking at them for whatever reason, but they do play an important part in the ecosystem. I guess that makes sense. Right. Shall we move on? Or yes. I, th- I feel like we've exhausted this topic. I think we have gone. <laughs> All right, going on. This one I was going to say second, but I realized you'd probably have too much fun with it, oh, so gosh. we might as well go with it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kentucky lawmakers bill requiring men to get wife permission for Viagra. Are we really discussing this? Why not? <laughs> All right. Why, why, why shouldn't we discuss this? All right, this? go on. What do you want to say? No, what's interesting is the Kentucky lawmakers put forward a bill that requires men to visit a doctor at least twice and obtain a signed permission slip from their wife before they could obtain a prescription drug to Viagra. Okay. And it's not an actual serious bill they're saying, even though if it gets passed, I mean, that will end up becoming what the law is in Kentucky. But they're utilizing it to make a point. And what point is that? They're saying that the idea is when it comes to all these laws concerning women and women laws of, okay... If you're going to have an abortion, you need to seek counseling 24 hours in advance from a health professional. They're trying to make a point of, well, if women have to do that for an abortion, men should have to do that for Viagra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't... They pretty much said, and even the person who is putting out the bill even mentioned that this bill is to illustrate the absurdity of government encroachment into women's personal and medical decisions currently running amok in the Kentucky General Assembly and the governor's administration. I mean, personally, I think that the government probably intervenes too much in these things. I mean, you know, as somebody who kind of prefers to go the homeopathic route, you know, when it comes to medicines and, and health and all that stuff, like, you know, I've run into all kinds of roadblocks just getting frustrated with, you know, doctors and their perspective on things. And honestly, like, there have been times where I've had, you know, whatever minor issues or questions and the doctor gave me advice that turned out to be bad advice. And sure enough, you know, after research, the, you know, homeopathic method actually worked better, like, 20 times faster. So, I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily feel like these things should be regulated as much as they are. I mean, it, it, it can really corner you. Well, what's also interesting is that in case Viagra isn't an issue that would be cared about, instead, they also introduced a bill concerning gun buyers to undergo counseling from victims of gun violence 24 hours in advance of the purchase. I mean, I think that's pretty against the point because I think that, I mean, usually the people who are 
doing things with gun violence, you know, tend to have underlying issues in the first place. Right. And, you know, I, I think that what would really help with that is just addressing those underlying issues, you know, I mean, in all seriousness, like rather than sort of guilting them into, you know, warnings. I mean, they know what a gun can do. Obviously, they know what a gun can do if they're buying a gun. Right. You know, I mean, if, if they're having a mental issue that they, they really need help for, we should be giving them help to get through that. And then, you know, the problems won't be as pervasive. So the main question of this article that I at least see happening concerns if you end up wanting to change a law concerning a certain issue that deals with your race or your gender or something that's just your group is the only way to create any type of empathy is to come up with a bill that tries to take away the rights of another group or most of the... I mean, personally, I think that that's extremely ineffective. You know, in all honesty, I mean, I'm not a politician and often I try to kind of stay out of politics, but... I mean, from, from what I'm seeing, like, you know, these governments have enough to fix in the first place, you know, that like, they, they really should be fixing is sort of the main issues and to kind of keep throwing curveballs their way and, you know, to sort of trick them into like, haha, you know, I just got you to talk about this, you know, in an underhanded method. I mean, that's kind of besides the point. I mean, if, if it's the case where that's the only way that people can get them to discuss these things and maybe they have no choice. But, I mean, I, I really think that that's kind of, you know, besides the point. Right. And couldn't, couldn't you say in some cases that there's undue burden on the wife, essentially? Let's say they decide to pull a fast one on her and say, Do you know what, we're going to accept this bill that you have to visit a doctor twice and obtain a signed permission from your wife. I mean, I really think that all these things are just way too invasive and, you know, like if if you want to go through with a certain medical procedure, you shouldn't have somebody making you necessarily go through all these steps to get there. I mean, unless it's a case where they're like there's a serious diagnostic issue that they need to address, like testing or whatever, but like you know, an adult is an adult. You know what I mean? I, I feel like that's a great way to end this segment. An adult <laughs> is an adult. Well, seriously. I mean, like, you think of some cases where, where, you know, under 18 you go somewhere and they're like, if you're a minor, have somebody sign for you. Okay? You know, if you're no longer a minor, you should be able to make your own decisions. Like, you shouldn't have to have somebody be giving you permission to do something. I mean, frankly, in those cases, maybe the couple should be discussing these things with each other, but really that's not my business, and I I really think that's not the doctor's business either. Or the government's? That too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Excellent. So we've done it. We've actually completed three news articles in less than 20 minutes. That's awesome. That's insane. Didn't think that we'd actually get there that fast. We did. I know. Now what do we do? I don't know. Do you have anything else to talk about? Were there any other articles that were interesting to you? No, I don't have any other articles prepared. Okay. I, I can tell you that it, it was an interesting day, though. 
I mean, you, you said yourself, you had a feeling that just today was just going to be weird. Yeah, I mean, especially the second part of the day. I mean, but there's some days that are like that, you know, where everything's just upside down. Yeah. And, like, then, then more things go upside down. So in this case, there was a train that just wasn't working. No, I still was, didn't get was, the full no, story. It was not a train that was not working. It was, I guess, um, Amtrak was having some signal issues, like, with the trains coming through Boston. And so they had to cancel, like, 20 commuter rail trains and all this stuff, and everybody was having trouble getting home. Which, honestly, I mean, like... The whole situation really bothers me, because um, I use the trains quite a lot, actually. Not today, fortunately. But um, I heard that they, they were not going to refund the passengers for whatever they paid, because it was done through survey. It's it's run through this third-party, you know, company. Um, so, Are you kidding me? No, they're not being paid? They're not being, you know, repaid. Refunded. Right. But, you know, I was not surprised because there was actually one point a few months ago where I had bought, you know, a 10-ride pass or something, right, you know, to go into, to go on the commuter rail um, for classes, and, you know, you happened to give me a ride for, like, two weeks or something, yeah. right? So I had, like, you know, two two rides worth or maybe even more that just were not used, you know, in, like, the two-month period or whatever it was that they gave you, you know, even though I was expecting to use them. And they wouldn't let me, you know, transfer them to my next pass, which I was fully intending to use. So here I had, like, a good, you know, $20, $30 just sitting there that they were not letting me transfer because I wasn't planning on taking the commuter rail, you know, for the next month during winter session. It's pretty bad. So, you know, in that sense, I was not surprised, but it still is really disgusting because, you know, this is people's time. And if you're not using the service, you're not using the service. Yeah. And, you know, people work hard. Like, you know, we're in an economy right now where, you know, every dollar really counts. And, you know, that, that you know, tw- 10 or $20 or whatever it is that you're spending on those tickets, you know, could be like a few hours pay. I mean, that's no joke. It's so true. The economy is definitely in a really weird state. I never thought after growing up that I would ever see gas under $2. Well, I mean, these, Again. Things, these things fluctuate. Fluctuate? I mean, you never know what it's going to be a few years from now. I mean, I, I think that all this really has to do with, you know, certain deals that are being made, you know, that... I don't necessarily approve of, um, you know, in politics and in general and, and all that. So, I mean, that, that I think is expected, but I mean, I, I don't think, you know, as, as a kid though, also, you don't necessarily know how to expect what's going to happen next. Well, I remember as a kid, I used to have this toy that was this pretend gas station and of course it had the price on it of i believe it was a dollar 99 yeah and i remember as i grew up and i got to the point of getting to college i started feeling cheated because i noticed all the prices were $2 $3 $4 $5 and i always thought growing up that it was just going to be a dollar 99 for gas and it was just so strange seeing okay fine i finally accepted $4 or $5 gas and now all of a sudden, it's going back to childhood. 
as far as the yeah, prices. Yeah, but I mean, the, I'm I'm sure the prices are going to keep going up and down. I mean, honestly, like, I don't like paying high gas prices, but I'm actually kind of, you know, feel I, I actually feel a little bit more comfortable when the prices are high. And I know that sounds weird, but I think it's because, you know, like, the, I, I, I sense when the price is low that there are fishy deals happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that scares me. So it's like when the price is high, I'm like, okay, you know, things are normal, <laughs> which is horrible. But, you know, it, it it feels that way when you watch what's going on in the world. No, I totally agree I mean, with I'm you. not surprised. I mean, that things have changed a lot, really, since the 80s and 90s. You know, and even in the past few years, I mean, I... Even like five years ago when I first moved here and before we got married and everything, I'd buy peanut butter at the grocery store because <laughs> I was practically living on that. I mean, I was like, you know, really pretty much below the poverty line. Um, and, you know, peanut butter back then, just a few years ago, and this was like the natural stuff, you know, no fillers or whatever. No, seriously. It costs like half of what it does now. Yeah. I mean, literally. And this was only like five years ago living in the same area, you know, in Boston. Um, Didn't you also notice tuna fish went Yeah, well, up? I mean, that that's definitely gone up. I mean, to put it in perspective, when I was in college, you know, whatever, however many years, like seven years ago now at this point, you know, in Vermont, I like literally got by each week. You know, I, I was not on the meal plan because I didn't like how it worked and everything. Um, so I was spending $10 a week on groceries and I got by like pretty well. I mean, that I was not eating very much at all, but, like, you know, I still got by. Now, I mean, that's impossible. I mean, even if, if you're, like, really budgeting. I mean, when I first moved here, I was, as I said, like, having to really, really count my dimes and stuff, and I was having to get by on, like, minimum $20 a would, week. Would you say you'd probably be on food stamps in today's economy, or do you think you could have still gone in a way with your... $10 of figuring out how to feed yourself. Well, I think that, I, I mean, I probably could have been on food stamps back then, but I mean, I'm kind of, I'm a very independent person. And I mean, the way I sort of see it is if I have to live minimally, I'm going to live minimally. You know what I mean? Like if, if I have bills to pay and like when I first came to Boston, I had like $500 in my bank account. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I made it work. And I mean, I, I struggled for a little while, but eventually I got on my feet because I really worked hard. I was working a few jobs and, you know, paying my own bills. I didn't have anybody helping me. Yeah. So, I mean, but I mean, that's a personality thing. It depends on your life circumstances. And I mean, my life circumstances at the time were certainly not simple. You know, it's not like I had everything going shiny exactly, you know, by any means, but... Um, but no, I mean, I, I just decided to persevere and I persevered. No. I I think it kind of comes down to that. And it's incredible thinking that you're always told that's a possibility and yet here living proof you've actually done it. Right. But I mean, don't forget the economy has changed a lot. I mean, the question is why we would do it now. I mean, if, if I were to do it now, like fine, maybe I would live on, you know, carrots and peanut butter again. You know, I'd be okay, because that's the way I am. But, you know, it is different, like, when you're trying to feed a family and everything. I mean, I think it's still doable on many levels, but you have to have the time to have the mental energy to get through it. And that's not easy. 
And in, and in our case, even though it's just the two of us, it's kind of like feeding three of us. Well, because you eat a lot. Yes, I do. You know, so... But, I mean, we're learning that as well. Like, we're learning how to handle that. And I think, I mean, the other thing is right now I'm pretty much self-employed. So that kind of goes back to what I was saying about having the time to, you know, use your brain to think of these things because, you know, I I went from, like, working, you know, three-plus jobs or whatever, you know, and being married and being very young to, you know, making my own schedule to a large extent. And that has enabled me to actually put more thought into like, okay, how am I going to figure this out and make sure that you eat and we keep on a budget and everything. Um, and even then, like, it's it's difficult, but no, I, I doing it. I definitely agree. So with that, we're heading towards the final minute before we end. Okay. Any last words? I don't know. My brain's kind of shutting down because it's really late. Okay, brain shutting down because it's kind of late. I'll it's just, really late. it is, it is late. I'm going to end at least letting people know that they can visit the website Things My Wife Sends Me, where we have all sorts of rewards. Pledges start at one cent per month, just at least to get to our special newsletter. And we have all kinds of rewards going all the way up to getting a drawing from me or getting a drawing from me and Leia. And you can check out all that information at things my wife sends me. Is it thing my wife sends things, me? Things, It is things. Yes. Okay, I want to just check that. Thingsmywifesendsme.com. want to thank you for listening and we're just going to continue doing this. Avram, you forgot your punchline. My punchline? Your punchline. Oh, God. Well, here we go. The punchline. Remember, folks, listen to your wife. You missed it. Always listen to your wife. (laughs) Always listen to your wife. We'll see you next time.